Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. This makes sense. Climbing the ladder. Where do you want me to sit? I'll sit on the top rung. How about that? As an achiever, I am motivated. I don't need a lot of outside influence to have me accomplish a lot. I see the brokenness as an achiever when I lose sight of where my worth comes from or who my worth comes from. The brokenness and being an achiever are the lies that I believe. But the more that I do, the more that I have to offer, the more that I accomplish means the more that others, including God, will value me and love me. I'm hoping to not only be able to put myself in the box as a three, but also being able to get myself out of that box because I am so much more than what I do. I'm so much more than what I can accomplish and I'm so much more than what I achieve. I'm more than an achiever. Hey guys, welcome to a series called You. Last week we started off with this incredible story that Jesus tells where he says, why do you see the speck in everybody else's eye but you fail to see the log in your own eye? Now I just want you to stop and listen to the question that Jesus asks all of us. Listen to these words. Why do you, right? That's what this series is all about. This series is all about why do you do what you do? Why do you behave the way you behave? Why do you act like you act? And some of you are like, I don't know. And for so many of us, we're just, we're just on autopilot and we've never thought about why we do what we do. So Jesus has a question. And the Enneagram is simply a tool to help you answer that question. So today we're going to look at the personality style called the achiever. Be gentle. Be gentle. It's me. Okay. It's me. And I really, really want to achieve and make this sermon great. Okay. So even if it's not, just be like, that was one of your best ones. Okay. It's not, you know, the truth, but it's not a lie. You're like that was, it was really good. You know, I always love it when people are like, last week was amazing. I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Can we never talk again? All right. So today, Jesus, we're looking at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, 10 verses, an incredible, incredible achiever. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it kills me because it is me. So as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, okay, a man came running up to him. If you're raising a little three, this is what we do. We run, we run, we run. Okay, nobody ever has had to tell me, you know what, you need to work out, you need to exercise. Okay, in the 80s, people thought I was weird. My parents are like, you're going running? Shouldn't you be playing video games? I'm like, no, I got, I got things to do, places to go. I got somebody to be. Okay? So if you're raising a child that's like, you know what, mom and dad, your budget needs to elevate because what you can afford is not my style. You're raising a little three. You're raising a little three. So the man came running up to him and he knelt down and he asked, he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now let's stop there because we live in a culture where nobody even asks this question anymore. We all assume, listen to me, we all assume that your life was so amazing, so incredible. You made such a difference in your physical life that you just automatically have earned eternal life. Amen. Now think about that. When God looks at your life, what is he going to see that makes you worthy of living forever? What makes you so exceptional? 
And this is what this young man is asking. Jesus, I'm a three. I want to achieve now and later. I want to win it here and there. Jesus stops him. He says, why do you call me good? You know, so many of us, we have, we have these assumptions about Jesus. And so many of you, you're like, oh, I've read the Bible. I got the content down. Yeah, but do you have the creator down? You know the stories, but you haven't met the storyteller. Why do you call me good? So many of us, we just assume we're Christians. And you assume you're a Christian because you aren't something else. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus asks. He says, only God is truly good. And all the ones went, ah! <laughs> oh my gosh, ones, right? But to answer your question, we're on the threes today. Ones are still recovering from two weeks ago. Man, I was listening to the perfect song on the way to church today. Man, it's a song from the 80s and it's like, I'm hard to, it's hard for me to say I'm sorry. And I was like, oh, ones, this is your song. <laughs> Right. Anyways, that's why I'm not on the worship team. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. Do you know the commandments? Most Americans don't, can't even identify the United States of America on a map, much less the commandments. And they're not the 10 suggestions. This first one's important because the murder rate in America is skyrocketing. Isn't that amazing? We took the 10 commandments out of our culture and look what happened. Murder said, hello. You must not murder. If you're thinking about killing somebody today, don't. <laughs> don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. You must not murder, Jesus says. You must not commit adultery. And nobody knows what adultery is anymore. It doesn't mean you're an amazing adult. <laughs> it means you're bad at marriage. That's what it means. Okay? And so many people today, they try to put words in the mouth of Jesus and what they try to say is, well, Jesus is not as rigid sexually as Christians tend to be. Listen to me. Jesus is the most conservative person who speaks in all of Christianity about sex. No one is more conservative than him. Not even Paul is as conservative as Jesus is as a single male 2,000 years ago. He's serious about this. You must not commit adultery. Jesus is devoted as a single man to serving God with his body. You must not commit adultery. Next, you must not steal. Man, we live in a culture. I was at Rite Aid because my wife asked me to pick up some photographs for our son's graduation. I was at Rite Aid and this woman came in and the first thing that caught my attention is her pants fell off. Okay, now ladies, that tends to draw the attention of male eyes. Don't judge me. Keep your pants on. Amen. Her pants fell off and she was unbothered. Wow. Apparently you haven't, you haven't been to Riverside lately. <laughs> but her pants fell off, which drew my attention. And then I noticed she was on the alcohol aisle of Rite Aid, selecting for herself some alcohol. And clearly she was already on something and didn't need anything to enhance the buzz but she pulled her pants up, grabbed a 24-pack of beer, and walked right out in front of me. And I told the Rite Aid manager, I was like, hey, 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 she's stealing. You see, I grew up in an age, you're going to find this hard to believe, millennials, when you used to have to show ID to buy alcohol. <laughs> like, like, and not like, you know, a, like a real ID. 
It used to be a controlled substance. You guys remember those days? It used to be a crime to steal alcohol. Listen to me, she did not run out. She walked out of Rite Aid. I told the manager, I said, you're not going to do anything about that? She said, she does it almost every day. That's our culture. That's our culture. You see, the further we get from God, the closer we get to insanity. Next, you must not testify falsely. That's a painful one for a three. We love a story. Her pants really did fall off, I promise you. I promise you. You must not testify falsely. You see, when you're a Christian, your word means something. It means something. Tammy and I went on a date a couple of weeks ago, and I, I'm just one of those people, if there, if there are letters about history, I just, I just stop and I just start reading. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if I care or not about what it is. I just start reading. I would rather do anything than shop. Amen, men? <laughs> Amen. I mean, you go on a three-hour shopping spree, you're like, death, it's not that bad. <laughs> if it gets me out of this store, I will die right now. And so I'm reading this story, and it was the story of, of, of the history of surfing. And it's a big deal because Hobie, one of the most famous surfers of all time, he actually is from the Inland Empire, where we're from. His family was from Ontario, a town not too far from here, and they would go to Dana Point in the 30s because it's hotter than you know what here in the summer. And they didn't have AC, so they would go to Dana Point. And it's the whole story, and it talked about him and his friend, we'll call him Richard, some of you got that. <laughs> How they had a, a lifetime agreement together as they made surfboards and they created a surf culture and went into business together. And listen to me, they never had a contract. It was a handshake deal. Those days are gone. Those days are gone. Can, can you imagine one of the largest surf corporations in the world would just shake hands? because they were friends and they didn't testify falsely. And this next one's a great one. You must not cheat anyone. Some of you guys are like, oh, if you can get away with it, you should do it. No, 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 listen to me. One day you're gonna stand before God and they're gonna roll the tape. Children, if you're listening to this one, honor your father and mother. One of the first questions that came up to me in this series was a teenage girl, she's probably 15. She said, do I have to listen to my parents all the time if they're unhealthy ones? <laughs> I said, sweetheart, yes. <laughs> yes. And I could see her parents like 10 feet away trying to act like they weren't watching. They're like, oh, dear God, thank you. <laughs> Honor your father and mother. Listen to me. It's the first commandment with a promise. If you do this, it will go well with you. And God says, if you don't do this, well, we're going to meet sooner than you think. Listen, this teacher, the man replied, right? He's an unhealthy three. He's forward thinking, so he's oblivious to everything on the inside. He said, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Smoked it, aced it, won it. I'm a three. What else you got, Jesus? This is so interesting. Because as a three, I can tell you, I didn't know in the 90s that I was a three. I didn't know anything about the Enneagram. I didn't know that I struggled with lying. Isn't it amazing that I started a church whose vision was to be real with themselves, to be real with others, and to be real with God? Isn't it amazing that I had a craving deep in my soul for authenticity? Before I ever heard of the Enneagram, 
Listen to what Jesus says to this super unhealthy three. Looking at the man, Jesus felt, listen to this word, genuine love for him. This man's never known anything genuine in his entire life. Everything is outward appearance. Everything has to do with how he looks and how he's perceived. Jesus really cares about him. He says, there's still one thing you haven't done. Just one. Go and sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Listen to this. Then come and follow me. I always love college students, man. They love this verse. Oh yeah, I'm coming, Jesus. You can have it all. That's because you have nothing. <laughs> You're like, take the lint in my pocket. Take my debt. Take it all. All to you, Jesus. I surrender. This man doesn't just have lint in his pocket. This man is very wealthy. He always wins. He always wants to win. Listen to what the Bible says about this man's response. At this, the man's face fell. As a three, I am terrible of controlling my face. Remember I told you I had that encounter with Vice President Mike Pence and he said, I can see you're disappointed to meet me. I was. I was. I wanted to see the hair. Donald Trump, right? I mean, whether you like him or hate him, that hair is fantastic. You gotta respect a man that just doesn't care, right? At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. You see, because in the ancient world, what people thought is if you're blessed in this life, you will automatically be blessed in the next life. Listen to me. What you're experiencing right now, what you're going through right now has nothing to do with what God wants you to experience in the next life. And some of you are so focused on the blessings of everyone else that you're robbing yourself of eternal blessings. Get off Instagram and get in God's word. Instagram will wreck you. It will ruin you. It will make you feel terrible. I don't care how pretty you are, ladies. Someone's prettier and you'll find her. Look at her. I hate her right now. <laughs> hate her right now. Somebody's younger, somebody's smarter, somebody's in better shape. Somebody took your idea and thought of it first. Ah! <laughs> this amazed them, but Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to enter into the kingdom of God. He's talking about eternity. He's talking about how you get in. Think about it, in our, in our world today, we have a constant conversation about immigration. And you watch these people willing to, to sell everything, sell themselves to cross the border to get into America. You know why that is? They know what misery is. And some of you today, you're so blessed, like I'm bored. That's because you're blessed. It's because you're blessed. We're so bored because we're so blessed. We watch stupid people do stupid things on TV and social media all day long. Listen to what he says. 
You see, those people are desperate and they're going to get here any way, anyhow they can because they know what hell on earth is. And you're like, they got my order at Starbucks wrong today. I'm not, I'm not ready for this message, Jesus. Jesus, I'm suffering today. I clearly said goat's milk. Listen to me. In fact, it's easier, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Here's what Jesus is say, saying. It's really hard for spoiled people to ever understand spiritual things. And some of you are like, I'm not rich. Yes, you are. The reason you don't think you're rich is you've never seen poverty. You've never seen poverty. Years ago, my family and I, we had the opportunity to go to one of the most unseen backwards places on earth at the time, it's called Cambodia. And if you're Cambodian, I love you, but you had the Khmer Rouge. And what he did is he killed every educated person. He killed every political person. He killed everyone in that country who was educated, who could read, who could write. He completely took over the country and he closed its doors for 20 years. And so when my family got to go, it was like going back in time. And when we went there, we were standing in front of an idol of Buddha, thousands of years old. And you want to know what people were taking pictures of? My family. Because they'd never seen a white family. They'd never seen blonde hair. And my son came running to me with tears in his eyes. I said, what's the matter? I looked over and we saw a young boy about his age wearing women, women's lingerie, dumpster diving so that he could eat that day. That's poverty. That's poverty. And our kids are like, McNuggets again! Where's my organic ketchup? <laughs> I need my gluten-free fries. Amen? Jesus, I'm tempted today. I'm being tested. He says it's easier for a rich person. It's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were, were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? I had a friend of mine text me this week, and I told him he was going to be in the message. He said, I took the assessment. He said, and I'm a three. He said, I'm screwed, aren't I? <laughs> yes. Yes. You are. Listen to me. The gospel is good news because there's some really bad news. You're all screwed. You're all screwed. You, you, don't, you can't even ensure that you're going to live tomorrow, much less forever. You're screwed. You're host. If this guy can't be saved, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them intently and he said, listen to me, humanly speaking, it's impossible. It's impossible. One of my favorite characters in life, he's not a character, he's a real person, Elon Musk. At least I think he's real. <laughs> Never actually met him. But like he wants to die on Mars. Like that's his goal. That's an unhealthy three. <laughs> like I want to go and come back and party. Amen. <laughs> I went to Mars. Name it, put a flag in it. Boom. Brownville. <clears throat> <laughs> he says, he says, humanly speaking, it's impossible. Listen to me. We can't even get to Mars, the closest planet to us. You have no idea who God is and what God is. 
You know what scientists now realize? That the universe is, is immeasurable. It cannot be measured. And it's growing. And we're like, we went to Mars. <laughs> Yay, you. Can you imagine God in heaven looking at us? He's like, oh, they moved an inch. <laughs> well, that just took a couple thousand years. Look, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. Oh, achievers, I love you. I am you. We are one. <laughs> Listen, here's the good news. As an achiever, you reflect God's hope. You can see what is not yet. Thank God for Elon Musk. Thank God for those individuals who move us forward. Because most people are like, we went to the moon, it's good. And some are like, I still think that's fake. Do you know that people now think that the earth is flat again? I think we're getting dumber. Like just, has anybody heard of a sailor that's like, oh, we were done. Like we were going to Japan and we just fell off. Like these people, right? Threes push us forward. They get us to the moon. Right, the John F. Kennedys. We're not going to the moon because it's easy. You want easy? Then don't be a three. We're going to go listen to JFK precisely because it's hard. Whew. That gets me up in the morning. <laughs> Let us hold tightly, the Bible says, without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Listen to me, threes. We move God's kingdom forward. That's what we do. That's what we do. And people will laugh at you. People will think you're ridiculous because you push the envelope, but that's why God made you. That's why God made you. But here's the thing, the underlying emotion of the three is shame, just like the two. And here's what you believe, here's the lie you believe, if I'm just successful enough, I'll feel better about myself. It's a lie. No clothing can fix shame. No achievement can fix shame. You're never going to get there. Mom, dad, I finally made it. It's never there. It's up there. And here's the good news. You can't get there, but he came down here to get you. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him, who's him? Jesus will not be put to shame. Jesus wants to cover your shame. Next, the motivation is success. And some of us like, we just poo-poo success. I just hate successful people. <laughs> Man, look at me. It's a handful of successful people that move the ball forward. Yes. I don't know if you noticed about Christian history, but when we lose a couple of successful people, we have dark ages for a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> they just found out that the Greeks, the Greeks had a computer system, a mechanical navigation device, and we lost it for 1,500 years before the Vikings figured out it again, and then came and killed us Irish. <laughs> 1,500 years. We didn't know how to go anywhere. The motivation of the three success. Don't you ever put down somebody who wants to do something with their life. Yes. Potiphar noticed this, and he realized, listen, he realized, this is in the book of Exodus, he realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him what? Success. Yeah. 
in everything he did. Success is not the devil. Some, some Christians want to fail with themselves, God, and others. <laughs> and we just want to get in a committee and talk about, man, it's really hard to do the Lord's work. And the Lord's like, find a three and follow them. <laughs> You're like, no, we're going to stay right here. <laughs> Listen to me. Threes, here's your need. You need to achieve. You need to achieve. John says this in 2 John, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Listen to me, threes, it takes a lifetime to build a life and a decision to destroy it. Yes. Yeah. A decision. One decision can destroy everything you've worked so hard for. So be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Some of you are going to stand before God on judgment day and he's going to say, here's what you get and here's what I had for you. Man, that's a lot, isn't it? And let me say this to so many Christians, we're so unhealthy. God is not opposed to achieving things in life. Listen to me. He's opposed to you believing you can earn or deserve eternal life. God's not allergic to effort. Some Christians are. I don't know, that would require work. <laughs> well, we're just going to trust God and sit here and do nothing. <laughs> Listen to me, so many Christians, wake up. You're like, it's all up to God. And he, yes, he's left it up to you. So many people to say, well, I don't know why God blesses some people. God tends to bless people who work. God had 12 apostles. What were they doing? Nothing. Then you got Saul. He's killing us. Let's get him on our team. <laughs> Why? Whatever he does, he wins. God's like, we need a winner. <laughs> Jesus, you pick these guys. <laughs> here's the thing, man. Oh, listen to me. Threes. Achievers. Here's what you avoid at all costs. Failure. I remember specifically being in the fourth grade and entering into an art contest. I thought it was pretty good. Threes, we always think we're pretty good. I mean, who are we kidding, right? Fourth grade, fourth grade, I entered into an art contest and for the first time in my life, I saw what real artists could do. And I was ashamed of what I had turned in. And in that moment, I decided I wasn't creative not because I wasn't creative, but because I didn't win. And I robbed myself of the joy of creativity. You see, for some of you threes, if you don't win, you don't wanna do it. <laughs> because you have to win at all costs because what failure does is it exposes your shame. Listen to me, I got good news. The word of God will never fail, Luke says. The word of God will never fail. God will never fail you, but you will. You can't be great at everything. No, pastor, I took the spiritual gifts test. It says I have them all. <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot. You don't have them all. <laughs> you don't. I took the assessment. I have every style. I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No, you're not. You're not Jesus. You're not. 
you can't be great at everything. Did you hear me sing a couple minutes ago? <laughs> That's the best I got. It's the best I got. But here's the thing. Young Matt Brown was so afraid to fail, it almost kept him from ever becoming great. My best lessons have come from my worst losses. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't learn a lot from wins. I learn a lot from embarrassing, grotesque, humiliating defeat. Wow, that hurt. That was really painful. <laughs> I would prefer not to ever do that again. You can't do it all. You have limits. You have limits. But with God, all things are possible. Next threes, man, we focus on our goals. Like, we're just weird. Okay, right? Remember COVID? Everybody's panicking. I was like, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to be in the best shape of my life when I turn 50. I've seen some of you. That was not your goal. I'm not kidding you. I was like, you know what, babe? I'm going to learn to speak conversational Hebrew. I'm on day like 100 on Duolingo. It's a real thing. Yeah. I can speak a little Hebrew. I know. And if you're a Hebrew teacher, please don't comment below. <laughs> Do the best I can. 2 Corinthians 5.9. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. It's our goal. Listen to me, threes. The problem is not having goals. The problem is what are your goals? What are your goals? Tammy and I, we, when we were younger, we used to talk about our goals, and she'd always ask me, you know, what's your goal for the next year? I'm like, stay married, <laughs> which is not a great thing to say to a six. We'll get there in a couple weeks. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the thing. If I don't have it as a goal, I don't pursue it. Yeah. That's me. It had nothing to do with her. That's my problem. If I don't make it a goal, I'm not moving towards it. I have a goal to read my Bible every day. I have a goal to pray every day. Every day, it's a goal. I have a goal to work out most days of the week. I have a goal to sleep well. I have a goal to learn to rest. Why? Because I'm terrible at those things if I don't make it a goal. But here's the thing. If you love a three, you got to know the goalposts always move. They are liars. I swear to you, honey, this will be my last marathon. Liar! <laughs> Our goalposts always move. And here's, here's the reason. You think goals will cover your shame. So you lie to yourself. Oh, I'm going to make 100K. False. Oh, when I make a million. False. Oh, I'm going to get in shape. False. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a marathon. False. You just keep moving the goalposts, telling yourself that this time it'll work. And you just got to say, honey, I, I love you. But you've said this 10 times, 100 times, 50 times. When you say it, the kids are rolling their eyes. Oh, yeah, dad's going to stop running. Look, my, my, my book hasn't even come out. And you know what I'm worried about? My next book. It's unhealthy. It's, it's embarrassing. 
because I buy into that time and time again that one day the cheers of everyone is going to fill the hole that's in my heart. And Jesus says, they don't love you. They don't love you. People are fickle things. Don't live for the praise of others because people will turn on you. God never does. He never does. We're fickle, aren't we, as people? Some of the things that happen in this country, we, we praise people one day and we demonize them the next. Remember our healthcare workers? Remember when they were heroes? Remember that? Bravely risking their lives to care for us when we didn't know what this virus is. And now because they have some hesitancy about the vaccine, you're fired. Welcome to human beings. Aren't you glad God's not like that? He is your hero and you got to turn to him. The core sin, and this hurts. I love you guys. This is a safe place. It's just us girls. Amen. Right. <laughs> My core sin, the core sin of the three is lying and deceit. It's so, it's so hard. There are stories from my high school and college years that honestly, I don't even know what the truth is. I don't. And here's why. We tell these stories to make ourselves bigger than we are so people will finally love us. We live for the, appra the praise and applause of others and it just robs you of the gift of being yourself. The most trouble I got in in high school, I kid you not, was from my creative writing class. The teacher said, you can write about whatever you want. So I did. And I wrote about the fantasies of a young, unhealthy 18-year-old three. The problem is my parents got a hold of that journal and were concerned that their child was a drug dealer, you know, sex addict, and you know, whatever else. And here's what's so sad. I was so convincing in my journal that those things really happened, my parents didn't know what the truth was. The entire journal from beginning to end was a lie. My dad's still like, yeah, I, I don't trust you. I know you're my pastor now, but I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think the journal was real. Proverbs 12, 22 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. How many of you guys like to be lied to? No one likes it, not even threes. So stop. But he delights in those that deal. But they de that deal truly are his delight. Sorry, the King James there threw me off. But they that deal truly are his delight. Here's the fear. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what threes are afraid of. Being worthless. That's what shame says. If you don't make a big deal, if people don't know your name, if people don't admire the clothes you wear and the car you drive, you're nothing then, aren't you? And some of you, that's what your parents told you. Stop listening to your unhealthy mom and dad and start listening to your father who's in heaven. Your mom and dad may have said, who do you think you are? Your father in heaven says, you're mine. You're my son, you're my daughter. And oh, by the way, guess what that means? You're a king and a queen. And not because of the clothes you wear, but because of who I created you to be. Listen to Jesus, threes. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? But you lose your own soul. 
You lose your own soul. Do you know why our Bibles originally were written in Greek? Because of one man, Alexander the Great. Here's the problem with Alexander the Great. He died. And all of his kingdom was taken from him. We don't know if this is true or not, but it is said that on his death, he was buried with his hands outside of the casket, palms up, because he wanted the world to know he died empty-handed. He conquered the world, but he may have lost his own soul. Jesus asks you this question, is there anything worth more than your own soul? And if you're a three, there probably is the praise and opinions of others. Some of you, if you're not careful, you would rather spend eternity in hell so that you can have the praise of a moment. So you have the praise. Look, shoot for the stars, but live with the reality of what you are. I sent my book to one of the shows that my wife loves, The Today Show. We, we love to watch it. We know some of the people. We don't know them, but we, we've, we've, they've sent us some videos from time to time. And I sent them my book, and, and they just said this week, hey, it's not for us. Unhealthy Matt Brown would have been devastated. A healthier Matt Brown goes, okay, Lord, it's your plan. I wrote this book for your glory, whatever you want to do. But let me just tell you as a three, that is really hard to get there. You could, there can be a hundred comments on my Instagram and I will focus on the one. One of the funniest things that ever happened to me as your pastor, this is years ago, Sandals Church started growing and somebody, it's right when social media came out and somebody Somebody typed a response to my sermon and said, Matt Brown's a simpleton. And I was like, I am not. What does that word mean? <laughs> hey, I went to public school, right? I didn't know what it meant. But I looked it up. And here's the thing is, he was saying that the way I communicate is very common. It is. I'm trying to reach common people with a common problem. And some of you are really unhealthy. And you need to know, no matter what you achieve, it's never going to fill the void that's in your soul. Only Jesus can do that. All right, so how can the achiever be real with self? Psalm 119, 29, keep me from lying to myself. The person I lie to the most is myself. I lie about my emotions, my feelings. I lie about what's going on. It says, give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. You see, the word of God can pierce your soul. Jesus said this in John 8, 31, 32. And if you've been at Sandals, you know this verse. I'm never going to stop preaching this verse. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and listen to this, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How the achiever can be real with others, man. This is, this is why our vision is to be real with others. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Listen to this, so that you may be healed. You wanna know why Christianity doesn't work? Because you're not real. You're not real. Dressing up and going to church doesn't change your soul. Getting real does. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great and powerful, wonderful results. You want God to hear you? Get real. Listen to me, the more painful the sin, the harder the confession. I have to ask myself, where have I exaggerated? Where did I outright lie? Where did I withhold part of the story? 
I have to learn to tell people the truth. I have to be very precise. If you ask me how far I ran, I have to say the exact distance. Because just like an alcoholic can't ever take a drink again, I can't ever give in to lying again. I ran 5.2 miles and no more. Right, an unhealthy three is like, it was almost a marathon. It was close. <laughs> How the achiever can be real with God. 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, listen to this, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You want to be real with God? Deal with what's going on the inside. God doesn't care what clothes you wear on the outside. He doesn't care what car you drive. He cares about the condition of your soul. God wants me to be successful in building his kingdom. So that's how I relate to God. If it's about me, it will destroy me. God wants me to be successful in loving my spouse. If you're married, your marriage needs to be your number one success priority. I care about you. You matter to me more than anyone else. You took a covenant oath in front of God. And that has to be number one. God wants me to be successful in raising my kids. You see, those are good goals. God wants me to be successful in relating, if I'm single, to the friendships I have rather than being overwhelmed with the relationships I don't have. Listen to me, if you're single and you just so desperately want to be married, maybe what's keeping you from being married is learning how to be a better friend to the friends you have. Because let me tell you, single people, you guys have, have lifted attraction to, to heights that is just, it's just unrealistic. Some of you guys are like, I want to marry a 10. You're a four. You're a four, dude. I was talking to this guy at our church, and he's been with this girl for years. He's like, yeah, I, just, I think maybe I can do better. And I looked at him. I was like, I, I don't think you can. I think she can do better. I think, I think, I think she might be able to upgrade. But let me tell you something. Here's the most important thing in selecting a spouse. Do you enjoy them? Do you enjoy them? So how do you love an achiever? It's impossible. <laughs> Encourage them to celebrate success. Stop looking at goals in the future. Let's celebrate what happened right now. Okay, it's hard. I, I grew up in public school. I didn't know I had dyslexia until I went into the military. I didn't know. I thought, I thought letters moved for everybody. I don't know if my English teacher is still alive in high school, but, it, but, but she, when she reads my book, she might drop dead. <laughs> because she was so frustrated with me. Writing a book for me is a big deal. Like some of you have never ran down the block. Right? Finishing a 5K is a big deal. You need to hang, hang that 5K medal on your door. When people come into your house, did you see the medal? <laughs> I ran a 5K. And I live to tell about it. Encourage them to celebrate success. Threes don't know how to do it. Next, be real with them. I know it's hard. We're not easy. We're a lot to handle. Be real with them. Say, I love you unconditionally. 
but this bothers me, this concerns me, this worries me. And no, we probably won't handle it well. And just, would you just, can we just be honest? Can we just accept that threes are a little nuts? We just, we're a little off. That's the way God made us. And we just have to embrace it. People ask me that. You work out? I'm like, yeah, like, like every day? Yeah. Like every day? Yeah. Every day? Yeah. Like we're a little weird. We're a little weird. Next, encourage them to connect with how they're feeling. The person they lie to the most is themselves. And then thank them specifically. I'm so grateful that you provide, that you achieve, that you've done these things in life. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. I'm so thankful for you. I love you so much. Not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. And I just love you. I want to close by praying for all of our achievers. And I'm sure you know somebody, you know, in your life who's a three. And if you don't know anybody, it's me. Pray for me. <laughs> a gentle, loving, encouraging prayer. But I want to pray for you that God would help you to find success in him. In him. Don't be the rich young ruler. Can you imagine what his life must have been like? to say no to the God of everything for the little something that you have. It said he had much. I'm guessing it's not as much as God has. God, help me to find success in you. Help me to strive for obedience. For obedience. Here's my prayer all the time. Psalms 25, 21. May, may integrity and honesty protect me. For I put my hope in you, God, in you. Listen to me, threes. I've been a faithful pastor to you for almost 25 years. Can you believe that? None of that will matter if I screw up once. Once. Threes, there's a lot of pressure on you. But you know what? God's built you to carry it, so trust him in it. And be great. And stop listening to the whiners and just be amazing. Just be amazing. Just be incredible. And God hadn't called you to be anybody else. Isn't it amazing that Jesus invited the rich young ruler to be a disciple? And as far as we know, he's the only one who said no. Incredible. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus, God, we love our threes. We love our achievers. They've made this world a better place God, most of us wouldn't be wearing the clothes we wear without them. Lord, the watches we wear without them. God, the cars we drive without them. God, we are thankful for them. But God, we pray for them right now that they would find success in you and that they would allow you to cover their shame, God, and that their soul would be healed. We pray this in Jesus' mighty, powerful, amazing name. Amen.